Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636 for pickup or delivery. Or you can go to the Pizzaville app or check their website out, pizzaville.ca. Uh, that being said, we've got our panel convening, of course, uh, at a distance. Our usual Wednesday crew is with us, albeit a uh, short one member. Ernie Eves, a former premier and finance minister in the province of Ontario, weighing in this afternoon on the Oakley Show. How's Ernie doing? I'm fine. How are you, John? Likewise fine, Ernie. Thank you for joining us. And Dan Moulton is with us as well, the VP at Crestview Strategies Toronto office, a liberal strategist and media commentator. Dan, how about you? I'm great, John. At home, of course. Staying, well, sure. I mean, that's the rule for everybody, myself included. Uh, we're all in self-isolation, as is being implored by the health officials, the city, the province, feds, and so on and so forth. And uh, earlier today, we heard where apparently a lot of folks are not getting the memo or paying attention. Uh, we've got 100 new cases in Ontario in the last 24 hours. That brings it to 688 in total. Nine deaths now, uh, three more overnight Uh elderly gentleman at North York General Hospital and two individuals at the Seven Oaks Long-Term Care Facility, which again uh, emphasizes the need for social distancing and all the rest that most of us are uh, subscribing to, but not everybody. So when the city earlier today announced, the mayor did, uh, Ernie, I'll ask you, city closures of all parks, 1,500 city parks, we're told, and dog parks are off limits. You're lucky you're out there in the country. You get to walk your beast, but uh, this, for the, the folks in the city, I mean... Necessary to do? You think it's the right move, Ernie? Well, I think it's a. I think the move they made was because people weren't adhering to, you know, what they were asked to do. They were asked, uh, you know, to keep social distancing. They were asked for kids not to play on playground equipment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's amazing that how many people just refuse to take this as a serious issue. Uh, it is a very serious issue, and if it doesn't affect your health personally it can affect the health of people around you of those close to you people that you love in your family and a lot of people for whatever reason seem to think that they're totally you know impervious to whatever is going on around them and it's it's a very very serious situation so dan what do we do about these people i mean uh when I guess it was uh, either the Chief Medical Officer of Health, Eileen Davila, or uh, maybe it was Matthew Pegg. Regardless, uh, they were saying in their presser at uh, a quarter to four that we are going to enforce uh, non-compliance here. Uh, do you think we need that kind of a crackdown, or can we still operate on the honor system that people will do the right thing eventually? Well, I think we've done a decent job in this province and across the country, really, about making sure that people are uh, trying to abide by these requirements to stay at home. I mean, everybody deserves a walk around the block and a little bit of fresh air now and then. Um, but I, I do think we have to try and encourage people to follow these measures as much as possible. And I do think the vast majority of people are following them. 
I think if the police are going to be used here, it ought to be to remind people of the rules, ask them to return home. I don't think we need some sort of mandatory enforced quarantine with cops on our streets to, to make it happen. I don't think we're there. Um, and I'm not sure what the value would be uh, long term in sending that message to the public. Well, the value so no be, snitch line. The value would be maybe thousands of people won't die that might die because these people choose at this early stage, in their minds, not to do anything about it. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, the federal government has the Emergency Measures Act. They should use it. Why they don't use it is beyond me, other than that they don't want to accept responsibility for making people do things. And well, I don't know. I, I don't follow, agree. But this is ridiculous. People are not following the guidelines. There's about 40% of the people in a recent poll in Canada either don't think this is a problem at all or another 21% that think that the measures being taken so far are overblown. That's 41% of people are not obeying. Well, that's not what that says. That that says people's mindsets on it. I, I think, you know, you walk the streets right now, most people are staying home. Most people aren't going to work. We've seen the... the Provinces take responsibility, respond to it in different ways in each of their jurisdictions because the outbreaks are different. I don't think the federal government's abrogating their responsibility. I think they're making sure that the provinces are fulfilling theirs. Uh, and that's what we're seeing right now across the country. It's worse in Quebec. It's worse in Ontario than it is in certain other parts, uh, perhaps Alberta, for example. And, you know, Alberta, I assume, will take the measure to close non-essential businesses when they feel it's appropriate. I don't think they need the federal government to tell them they need to do it. It's beginning yeah, to let me like ask Donald you. Trump. It isn't up to me. It's up to the 50 states to do something about it. <laughs> I'm not a clearing house. I'm just the president of the United States. All right. Yeah, you leave the orange devil out of this. Uh, <laughs> let me ask. Let me, let me ask. Ask Dan because the government, the federal government, did pass the Quarantine Act earlier today, which yeah. I, it's mostly to do with people coming into the country. Uh, you know, when you want to. Uh, you know, alleviate travel, you know, from uh, certain hot pockets and so on and so forth. Isn't that a little late in the day? I mean, couldn't we have used that two, three, maybe even four weeks ago? Well, I think they used it to make it a absolute requirement that anyone returning to the country must self-isolate for 14 days. And I think there is an appropriate way to implement measures that require um, very draconian action like that, right? I think there's an appropriate staging for how you do that. And if, as Ernie made the point earlier, if people aren't responding, then you do have to take stronger actions. And so obviously the federal government felt that there weren't strong enough responses from the public returning and self-quarantining. And so now they've made it mandatory with a significant penalty. I think it's up to a million-dollar penalty uh, if you violate the Quarantine Act. And so they've brought that measure into place to make it a requirement and enforce it. Uh, and I think that that's appropriate in that instance. I don't think that it should be, a, you know, a, a crime punishable by death to leave your house right now. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think that there are uh, right approaches for governments to take at the right times, and I trust that they're taking the best advice of health experts about when to implement those those new rules. Well, that's kind of ironic because it may turn out to be a crime punishable by death. Uh, but be that as it may, I guess it's the lack of consistency. That was something that came up in a discussion we were having about people in the trades, for example. They're wondering how it is they're still essential and on job sites, and they're not given that personal protective equipment, uh, and they're cheek by jowl in some instances on a crew, 50 or 100, you know, in close quarters. 
you still see subways, you know, the cars are, well, they're maybe not as full as they used to be, but that again is a lot of people cheek by jowl. Is that a problem, Ernie, that the messaging is maybe somewhat piecemeal or it's inconsistent or we're seeing inconsistent practices here? Well, yes, I think that's definitely a problem. It creates some confusion in people's minds, too, I suppose. Um, both levels of government here, you know, federal and provincial, in my opinion, have responded on a rather piecemeal basis. They seem to be responding to the problems that happened yesterday or the day before. And nobody is taking a huge proactive stance and doing something before they have to do it. They're going to wait until the problem gets worse. Then we'll do it. That seems to be their approach. And this is totally unprecedented. This is like we haven't seen anything like this ever in the country of Canada or in the province of Ontario. And it calls for bold action on the part of government. Tax deferrals are nice. They're not the solution, in my humble opinion. I just heard somebody asking um, Premier, or sorry, the finance minister in Ontario, you know, why aren't you providing relief for small businesses in rent? And his, his response was, well, we're giving them, you know, a holiday. They don't have to pay employer tax, and they're getting a break on, break on their electricity rates. That's nice. But a lot of small businesses don't own. They rent. And they have to exist from month to month. And what you're doing isn't helping them uh, directly stay afloat. So you're going to have hundreds, if not thousands, of small businesses go out of business if both levels of government don't pick up their game here and do the right thing in a big way, mailing checks to everyone. Yeah, I, if I could, John, I jump in and just add. I agree. I was disappointed not to see action on commercial rents in the in the economic update that we saw from the province today. A lot of business owners out there are are looking for that kind of relief right now. Uh, some sort of commercial rent deferral would have been, I think, the appropriate response. I will say, and I think. Uh, the former premier will understand this, there is a political reality here as well that governments don't know how long this is going to go on for. And so they've got to keep arrows in the quiver moving forward so they can continue to make communications announcements about things that they're doing. You look at the time of use uh, electricity rates announcement we saw from the premier on uh, on Tuesday of this week, he could have easily made that announcement last Tuesday or last Wednesday or Thursday or Friday for that matter. But he, he didn't. He waited until Thursday because, or this past Tuesday because they're ruling these things out in a way that demonstrates continued action. So I do think there's a political reality here that governments are going to grapple with uh, as they move forward through this crisis, that they're not going to want to roll out everything that they're going to do in the first day. Guys, keep your powder dry. I want to come back since you've referenced the uh, package that Rod Phillips, the finance minister, announced earlier this afternoon and the premier talked up after 5 o'clock. We played a few clips from that. Uh, I want to come back and address some of the salient points in there, including to the finance of the former finance minister and premier Ernie Eves on our panel, uh, where he thinks a healthy deficit could be going for 2021 because there was a figure affixed to that. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.